Well, as Blake said, we're in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. I'm actually going to begin reading in verse 4, just as a way of reminder and flow into this text. Um, as Greg taught us a couple of weeks ago from verses 4 and 5, just the language of those verses of the Lord building us up into a spiritual house really flows into the text we're going to look at tonight of the cornerstone and foundation in this building language and what we are building upon. So start with me in uh, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Well, our focal text is, as you see, predominantly Old Testament references with just a couple of summary statements from Peter uh, based on those references. So from that simple outline, I'd like to draw two main points for this text. Uh, point number one is the basis of value for the believer. The basis of value for the believer. That's in verses 6 through 7a. And secondly, the basis of shame for the unbeliever. The basis of shame for the unbeliever that's verses 7b through 8. Well, verse 6 begins, for it stands in Scripture. And that word stand means contains. Scripture contains truth. I think it's worth noting that Peter, as an apostle, had authority to speak as God revealed to him, and yet he turns to the Scripture, the written Scripture, for instructing and encouraging these persecuted believers to whom this letter is addressed. Since the word of God is truth and we are sanctified by the truth, we should learn from his example and always, always, always look to the scriptures in our teaching, in reproving, in correcting, in training in righteousness, as 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us. Well, in verse 6, Peter is quoting Isaiah 28.16. He's using this verse and this language of Christ as the cornerstone to connect with that analogy given in verse 5 of God building his chosen people into a spiritual house. Well, in order to build a strong spiritual house there must also be a strong foundation. 
And a strong foundation begins with a cornerstone. Now the text, the context of Isaiah 28 is that God is declaring judgment on the leaders of Jerusalem because the rulers and even the priests had become drunkards. Verse 7 in that chapter says, They reel in vision, they stumble in giving judgment. And then in verse 14 of Isaiah 28, Isaiah says, Therefore hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. And then he comes to verse 16. And it's God declares what he is going to do in response to their disobedience. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Well, the leaders of Israel had failed to obey the Lord's command and judgment for their disobedience had been pronounced. The Lord God declared in a sense that the foundation was unstable. The house of Israel would fall and that he himself would lay a new foundation. That stone, that tested stone, that precious cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a minute and explore the importance of the cornerstone. In any building, the foundation is the most important aspect of the structure because the proper function of the other parts of the structure, the walls, the roof, the windows, the doors, everything, are completely dependent upon that foundation being correct. I had the opportunity uh, a few years back to build the house that me and my family live in today. I did portions of the construction myself and I subbed out to other contractors other portions. But I prepared the, the foundation myself and I'd never done that before so it was a little bit uh, scary. But as I was laying out that foundation I had one corner that I knew I had to get right. That corner had to be in the right spot on the property. It had to be in the right orientation on the property. And that corner had to be square. So I measured and I remeasured and I measured again <laughs> to make sure that corner, I could trust it. It had to be trustworthy because everything else that I was laying out on that house depended on that measurement being right and it being square and true. So that, in a sense, was my cornerstone. It wasn't an actual stone, but the boards and everything that I used to lay that out, that was my focal point, that, starting, that critical starting point. Well, modern building techniques use a lot of sophisticated equipment. I mean, they can lay out a foundation with laser beam accuracy. But in ancient times, Builders didn't have those tools. So what'd they turn to? If they were going to build a substantial structure, they would get a cornerstone. So the builders would go to the stone quarry. They would search through the inventory of stones and look for those stones that had perfect 90 degrees. They were square. They were the right dimensions that they needed 
to set that building. It had to be true. That chosen stone would become the cornerstone of a building. It would be of far greater value and importance than all the other stones that make up that building. Why? Because it served as a starting point for the whole structure. So in light of the importance of a cornerstone, let's read Isaiah 28:16 again. This time thinking in terms of Jesus Christ as that cornerstone. Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. The verse says, I am the one. Only God himself has the power and authority to lay this foundation. This is a work of the Lord God Almighty. Before the foundation of the world was laid, God determined that Jesus Christ would be the cornerstone for the redeemed. The verse says, a tested stone. Was Christ tested? Absolutely. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Our Lord was tested and his righteousness perfected. The verse describes the cornerstone as precious. It's of infinite value. In the Father's eyes, Jesus was precious. The Father declared at his baptism and at his transfiguration. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The verse says, a sure foundation. Christ's complete work on the cross was validated by his resurrection and ascension into heaven. That's where he sits right now at the right hand of the Father. So on that sure foundation, we can build our faith. Well, the verse ends with, whoever believes will not be in haste. But we just read in 1 Peter 2, 6, it says, in, at the end of that, it says, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Well, they'll sound quite a bit different, don't they? Well, the reason is that in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Hebrew verb for haste has the meaning or sense of put to shame. So that's what Peter would know and that's what he recounted. So whoever believes in this chosen, precious cornerstone, this sure foundation, and the Lord Jesus Christ is that cornerstone, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. In fact, it will be the opposite of shame. There will be honor for those who believe. This is what he declares in the first part of verse 7. It says, so the honor is for you who believe. Now that word that's translated as honor can also be translated to mean preciousness or precious value. So we could restate that part of verse 7 this way. 
So this precious value is for you who believe. We can conclude that the basis for value for the Christian is our faith in and our identity in Christ alone. The chosen, precious, infinitely valuable cornerstone upon which we must build our lives by faith. We are infinitely valued in the eyes of the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because by faith we know that the only way we are commendable to God is because the tested, perfected righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us. Because the Son is of infinite worth to the Father, so are those of infinite worth who are in Christ. So we must ask ourselves this question. Do you find your worth in Christ alone? Or have you built your life and your value on the unstable foundation of the things of this world? A career? Being known? Having power? Having wealth? Having possessions? Is your faith built upon the sure foundation of Jesus Christ as the only way to be reconciled to God the Father? This is where we got to get really raw and take a deep look at what we are really trusting in. Are we building our spiritual life on Jesus plus church tradition? Are we building our spiritual lives on Jesus plus works? Works that we do in the church. Now it is true that God has created us for good works. But works must not be the basis of our righteousness, our being right before God. Our only claim before God is the righteousness of Christ. So, Christian, if you've built upon anything but Christ, confess this to your forgiving, merciful Father and repent. Turn away from it and build only on the sure foundation of Christ. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself of being chosen and redeemed in Christ. That you are loved in the beloved. Build your life, your value on that sure foundation. This chosen, precious cornerstone of Christ Jesus. Well, in contrast to the believer that's not put to shame, Peter then implies that in the second part of verse 7, that shame rests upon those that reject this chosen, precious cornerstone. He says in verse 7, But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Again, Old Testament passages are the basis for the statement at the end of verse 8. Excuse me, verse 8. And verse 7 is a reference to Psalm 118, verse 22. 
I kind of wonder if Peter may have had just a little bit of a smile as he's writing this. Because I wonder if he was envisioning the Lord Jesus. In fact, you mentioned it this morning in the sermon, going back to Mark 12. In Mark 12, uh, Jesus taught the parable of the tenants. And it's just a masterful, as we would expect from the Lord, how he dealt with opposition. And so that's why I wonder if Peter just kind of grinned a little bit at remembering how Christ used this very passage. He, Christ quoted Psalm 118, 22, and 23 at the end of that parable of the talents, saying, he said to them, he asked the scribes, he says, have you not read this scripture? Do you not understand? This is written about you, builders. Well, also, Peter had his own confrontation and he used this passage again in acts 4 verses 5 through 12 in the early days of the church peter used this after he he was confronted by the religious leaders after he had healed the lame man so peter used this again you builders have rejected the cornerstone well verse 8 is in in second peter in in first peter chapter 2 verse 8 that passage is quoted out of isaiah 8:14 isaiah chapter 8 verse 14 i'm going to read a few extra verses around that passage so you can get the context of what isaiah wrote isaiah 8 verses 11 through 15 for the lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling, to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Well, the last part of 1 Peter 2.8 is a somber conclusion about the religious leaders, the builders of Israel. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. The basis of shame for the non-Christian is disobedience to the Word of God. It's unbelief. The Word of God calls all sinners to faith in Jesus Christ alone and to respond in repentance for their sins. How many sit in churches today and hear the Word of God but stumble over the Lordship of Jesus Christ? They rely upon tradition religion and works rather than the only sure foundation the cornerstone Jesus Christ in the sovereignty of God those builders of Israel were chosen for unbelief they stumbled in disbelief that Jesus was the Messiah they read the scriptures they knew Isaiah 8 they knew Isaiah 26 they knew the prophecies but when the word became flesh and dwelt among them, they were offended by him because of their unbelief. 
They did not obey from the heart the very word they proclaimed to know. Well, just like Peter, the apostle Paul was deeply burdened by the unbelief of the Jews. He provides a remarkable explanation of their unbelief. And he actually quotes this very, these very same verses from Isaiah. Turn with me to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, and we'll look at the end of the chapter, starting at verse 30, and go into the first four verses of chapter 10. This is a beautiful explanation. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Friends, the righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. You cannot establish a righteousness of your own. You must obey the word of God that says there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The shame of unbelief rests upon those that do not look to Christ alone, by faith alone, to save them, to save them from the judgment of a holy God. But for those that believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. And in Christ, you are of precious value in the eyes of the Father. So brothers and sisters in Christ, I urge you to remind yourself daily of the wonder of the gospel and that because Christ has become the cornerstone, in Him your life has meaning and value. Build your life only upon this precious cornerstone. In a few moments we're going to come to the Lord's table and we're commanded to remember the Lord's death. His death upon the cross to redeem us from our sins. And I want to return to the question raised earlier. Do you find your worth in Christ alone? We sing a song from time to time that addresses this very question of where we truly find our value. It's titled, My Worth is Not in What I Own. So I want to close by reading those lyrics. And I want to invite you to listen closely to those words and examine your own heart in light of this question. 
Do you find your worth in Christ alone? Listen to these lyrics. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. As summer flowers, we fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty hurry by. But life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Two wonders here that I confess. My worth and my unworthiness. My value fixed. My ransom paid at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer. Greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. And I will trust in him, no other. My soul is satisfied in him alone. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we praise you because only you could lay a sure foundation. Only you could choose a precious cornerstone. And that cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And so we praise you tonight for your grace and your mercy to save us through Jesus Christ alone. We praise you that you give us the faith to believe through the declaration of your word we come to Christ. So we praise you tonight. And Father, we ask that you would reveal in our hearts what we have built our lives upon. And if it is not purely upon the rock of Christ, then cause us to see it and cause us to desire only Christ. To repent and forsake all other things and build our lives only upon Jesus. Make us holy as you are holy, that we may glorify and honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.